Recorded live. You are now listening to Pastor Helen Young of Grace Worship Center in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, a life-changing fellowship. Join us today as she ministers, Teach Me to Be Patient. You will be blessed with today's message. Let us join in, and we'll see you in just a little while. Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks. We give you the praise, the glory, and honor for what you're doing for us today. And we thank you, and and we appreciate you allowing us to hear the words that will go on the inside of us, and it will become food for us. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to talk this morning about teach me to be patient. And we're going to come out of the scriptures out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 4. But this time I'm going to read it out of the NIV Bible. And it reads as follows. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Amen. And we're talking about patience. And this is our part four of it. We've talked about it three other times. But in this, we looked at the word patient, kind, envy, and we're going to talk about boast and proud. And when you begin to look at patient, and you can ask yourself, why is patient important or is it important? Why is it that the Lord tells us to be patient? It tells us to be kind and so forth. So that's a reason why he wants us to have some type of patience. Amen? Okay. So what is patience? I'm just going to review this for you. It is bearing or enduring pain, trouble, without complaining. Not losing your self-control. Is refusing to be provoked or angered as by an insult. It is calmly tolerating. And I'm reading this out of the Webster's Dictionary. In that scripture, 1 Corinthians 13 and 4, the next part of that statement, love is kind. And just to review of this, and we're talking about what is kind. Kind is a manner of way. It's nature's essential character. It's sympathetic. It's friendly. It's gentle, tenderhearted, generous, loving, affectionate. Those are Webster's characteristics of that. The third part of that scripture says it does not envy. Amen? So let's look at what is envy. Envy is having hatred or ill will. It's a feeling of discontentment and ill will because of another's advantage or possession. Resentful dislike of another who has something that one desires. To be envious. Amen? So we don't want to do anything like that, right? We don't want to envy or be jealous of what somebody else has. There's a song that was out several years back. It says, what God has for me, it is for me. Amen? So whatever God has for a person, God has arranged it just for them. 
The Bible says in the book of Psalms 103, it says that God knows our frame. He knows everything about it. And when you say that he knows your frame, he knows what makes you tick. He knows your love language. All right? He knows everything about you. Now, what we're going to come to today where it says love is patient, it does not boast. But there is a time when we should boast, but we need to watch what we're boasting of. And let's look at the word boast. In Webster's Dictionary, boast is a haughtiness to grow or to swell, to talk proudly about deeds, abilities, either one's own or those of someone close to one, in a manner of showing too much pride and satisfaction and to brag. Sometimes we can get carried away with making that boast. But the Bible tells us that we ought to boast in the Lord. We ought to be able to give God all the praise, all the glory and the honor. Amen? But, you know, when you look at it, people boast about some of the things. I know you know some of them. That's right. Somebody said a car. That's right. What else do they boast about? A house, material things. What else do they boast about? Well, abilities, right? Okay, I hear you. You know, I've known people with five and six degrees. They've done their education. I don't not degrees, because I want my kids, I want my grandbabies, I want my neighbor's kids, I want my friends, I want them to get that education so that they can be, you know, uh, well-versed, and they'll be, what, knowledgeable, and they'll be skilled, but there are people that I know that have all the degrees, and they look down on everybody else that does not have the degree, and they begin to boast in their skills, and their ability, it ain't that deep. Paul says, you know, just doing all of that stuff, and it's like a clanking noise. You know, I love education. I think everybody ought to get it. But you have to have common sense with it, too. If you're going to boast on anything, even with the degrees, if you look at it and say, Lord, I thank you that you allowed me the ability to retain, for what purpose? that I might teach transgressors your way, that I might win souls to others. But when we began to boast about things, if it does not give God the glory, it's only one other place it's going to be. It's going to be giving it to yourself. But let's look at some of the things about what the Bible says, okay? Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Psalms, chapter 34, and I'm going to read verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. That's Psalms 34, verses 1 through 4. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her what? Boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. And what verse 3 says? Oh, magnify what the Lord, what, with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and did 
his boast in the Lord. Magnify means to enlarge, to make bigger. So what is what is David saying? He says, he makes a personal testimony. He says, I am going to do something. Will, okay, it's an action to it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. As long as you're blessing the Lord and giving him praise, glory, and honor and making your boast in him, he can do all things. The scripture says, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk up rightly with them. But you have to have a covenant relationship with him. And when you begin to boast in the Lord, say, Lord, I know I'm going through, but I know this, that you're going to bring me through. David says, I sought the Lord. Look at this. He went to the Lord. What's the second part? He heard me. And what was the third part? He delivered me. From what? What are the fears that, that David was talking about? It. Okay, let's, let's look at this. Fear of failure. Have you ever been in a position where you felt like you were so afraid that you weren't going to make it? What do you mean make it? I don't know how I'm going to get the money for the house. I don't know how I'm going to get gas for my car this week. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But David, he says this. He says, fears with an S. Which means that David had more than one thing that God delivered him from. You know, the, the thing of it is, is, David being a man after God's own heart, people was after David. You know, King Saul, he was. Throwing a javelin at him. And then Absalom, his son, and whom there was no defect. Absalom, his favorite son, Absalom went and, 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 and ran him out of the kingdom. Absalom, his son, was after him to do harm to him. But Absalom wasn't just by himself. He had a band of his believers. David was running. But David makes, he says, my soul, which is that on the inside of you, is saying what? I will make my boast in the Lord. I'm going to give God all the praises. He says, I'm going to make God bigger than my problems, all of my fears. He's not going to make my boast in it. A lot of times, we don't seek God. We don't. We want others to seek God for us. Okay. It's nothing wrong with getting someone to help you with that situation. But you, the individual, need to go to God first. Amen? Now, the Bible says this. He says, where two are gathered in my name. And anything that they ask, God is going to give it. But you must first cry out to the Lord for yourself. There's strength and unity. Yes, it is. But we have to get to a point where we can go to God for ourselves. Amen? Amen. And the cares of this life sometimes comes over us. And, you know, we just, oh, God, I just need some physical, natural help that I can see. You know? And so the thing of it is, David said, I sought the Lord first. He didn't seek anybody else. He sought God first. And then we as saints of God must know that God hears us. The Bible says that his ears, talking about God's ears, is always attentive to the cries of the saints. God always hears the saints' prayers. He sought him. And then he had to have a portion in a time where God delivered him. And he delivered him from not just one item, but several. You know what the storyline of David is. David, do you remember when the Ark of the Covenant 
supposed to be? Mm-hmm. Okay. Look at this. You remember when he first brought it? He didn't know because he was not a priest. And priests does that. Okay? So what happens is David's going to do it in his own what? Abilities in his own mindset because he says, I'm a king. And I can do it. even though you are a king, there still has to be leadership in the church. Amen. You've got to hook up with the church. Amen. Amen. All right. So David brought it, and the man that was carrying the ark, it, it, it shook, and then God killed him. You know? And you would say, whoa, why did God kill a man? He saw it was shaking. He, he shouldn't have. He was in the wrong place on the wrong day. It should have been the priest. When David saw it, he stopped, and, and he, he sought the Lord at this point. How can I get it back there, God? I know it belongs there, God. Open up my eyes, the ears of my understanding. How am I to get it back? He went and got the priest and brought it. And they came there. So look at one of the fears that David had right now. One of the fears could have been that I'm unable to get it back to where it's supposed to be. But David sought the Lord. Okay. When David got back to where the ark was supposed to be, and because David took a step that he gave God praise, he gave God dances and praise, then he took a little bit farther, and, and David started dancing and praising God, because it was a victory right there, because he was coming from where it shouldn't have been to where it should be, so that the people of God can be blessed. So David, I want you to know this about David. Let me just interject inter- inter- this. David was an unusual man at an unusual time. Mm-hmm. David was the shepherd boy that was behind his daddy's fields, taking care of the sheep but worshiping God. God gave him strength physically, and it gave him strength in the spiritual. So David was the unusual person that he knew about relationship. He knew how to make merry and dance in the spirit with the Lord. He was an unusual man because you don't hear any other king going about before David time giving God all this praise and worship and dance and hallelujah and the house of God in order with the musicians and so forth. Not no other ones was doing that. When you hear about it in the other times, you hear Miriam coming out of Egypt. You know when it came out and it got across the Red Sea? What did Miriam do? Miriam got the other sister girls, okay? Her other sisters in Christ. They got the tambourine, and what did she do? They didn't worship. Do you know God inhabits the praises of us as people? Okay. So David was a unique man. God framed him. He knew his frame. He knew everything about him. So what happened? David, David is dancing. All right? So David is coming back home. Baby mama's there. Y'all know what I'm saying? He's coming back to his wife, his sweetheart. And he's coming into the city, and next thing you know, he's all excited because God has given me the victory of bringing the Ark of the Covenant. Wow! Back home. And then he's caught up in the Lord. And he began to dance. And he was dancing so much that he danced out of his clothes. Now, he was not in the birthday suit, y'all. He had on his linen cloth. He had that on. But he's taking off like his coat, you know, maybe the vest, you know, and things like that. And he's dancing. And up in the window, Marshall, his wife, looking at him and saying, look at my husband. He has disgraced me in front of all the women. Now, he wasn't in his birthday suit. And you know what? That was a fear because when you come home, you want your wife 
spoken person, David did, which spared the life of him as well as Bathsheba. But that child that was produced in sin could not be. Can I give God strange offering when you knew better? Because David had gotten into iniquity. So what is iniquity? Iniquity is willful sin. Back in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 56. And he was wounded for your what? Transgressions. <laughs> Just take a moment and read it. Isaiah 53 and 5 says, but he was wounded. Talking about Jesus. For our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. Let's just stop right there. What is transgression? Transgression is your sin that you committed before coming into the knowledge of Christ. If there was not a different, he would not have said it different. He says, he was wounded for your transgression hours, and then he was bruised for our iniquities. Iniquities is willful sin after coming into the knowledge of God. Okay, so what is the difference? Let me tell you, you know how you get hit sometimes, but you don't see the bruise until later? And that bruise is deeper and it's painful. But he got those bruises when you thought that you could get away with it. But that bruise brought up. And he was bruised for your iniquities. That hidden stuff. But David, he didn't make any kind of excuse. God pardoned him because of sincerity of his heart and the purity of him. He pardoned him and he gave him a second chance. God of a second chance. The baby, it died. And do you remember the whole story about David during this time? And he was fasting and praying and praying for the baby. And then the baby dies. And next thing he does, he gets what? gets up and eats, start dancing and having a good time. What was with that? Because he knew something about God and that relationship with God. He knew that one day he would see that child again. That is that faith. Amen? Amen. In Psalms chapter 44, verses 6, 7, and 8. Psalms 44, chapter 44 verses 6 to 8. I know I have a lot of scriptures, but I'd like for you all to write it down so you can go back and read this again. We're talking about making your boast. In 44, chapter of Psalm, verses 6, it says, For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemies, and hast put them to shame that hate us. Verse 8 is, is, is powerful. What does it say? In who? In God. Do what? We both come on. And praise what? Look at what he says. David says that he's not going to trust his own strength, nor about his ability. His sword is his ability, and trust in those is his strength. He says, but God has saved us from what? Not your enemy, but enemies with an S. Because um, the devil just ain't going to come with just one thing. He's going to get you with more than one thing. It's all together. Amen? Amen. All right. Let me just put it this way. He's going to tempt you to do something. 
but he's also going to give you the line to make up with it. Okay. Okay, so it's just not one bad boy. It, he has a whole bunch, okay? All right, that's the way they, I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. I remember uh, on yesterday at the services that we were at, um, one of the ladies said they, they was going to sneak around and get them a wine cooler. But in the, t- in the time of them sneaking around, they were saying, don't let the saint see me. That was funny. Because they, okay. It was, it was funny to me. Because you know how we are as believers. When we get ready to do something, and the first people we say, don't let the church people see me. Oh, okay. I see somebody who's laughing with me. But as Christians, we this way for saying, y'all. We, they're, they're saying, Lord, I know I'm saying I'm going to do this because those people are getting on my nerves. I'm going to get one and just chill out. We just don't let the other saints see me, God. It's okay if the sinners see me because they're I'll be like one of them. But don't you know that the people in the world know that we're different? Do you realize that we have a glow about us? I like that. Well, anyway, when she said, I just had to smile. I knew where she was coming from. But the thing about it is, it's to say God has saved us from our our enemies and has put them to shame to hate us. I hate us again. Come on. And he said, then we're going to boast about God's victory in our life, and we're going to praise his name forever. Psalms 49, verse 6 through 8, Psalm 49, 6 through 8, it says, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious and is ceased forever. So in 49 of Psalm, verses 6 to 8, it says that if you trust in your wealth and your boast and your, all of your riches, none of them can really redeem you. Nobody can redeem you but Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Let me go uh, to Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1 and 2. And then we're going to go to something else. Proverbs 27, verse 1 and 2, it says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise thee. Not their own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. <clears throat> so what is what is being said here? Boast not of yourself of tomorrow. So what does that actually mean? Huh? You, you don't know what you don't even know we're gonna be here tomorrow. You know? I know a lot of people. You know a lot of people. Even the Bible talks about the man that had all this riches and wealth. He says, Oh, tomorrow I'm gonna tear down these Barge, and I'm going to build a big one. And it comes back and say, Men, do you know that the Lord is requiring your soul when? That night? Tomorrow you won't even be there. Someone has been saved. He said, Don't force yourself into tomorrow if it's God's will. Come on, if it's God's will. And I should say, Lord, I'm going to die on it. I'm just going to give. You've got to give God all the praise, all the glory. All the honor. And it says, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Amen? Amen. So we're going to boast. We're going to boast in God. Uh, let me just go uh, and just read this. I know it's kind of long, but I like to just look at it and and uh, go back and reflect on it. Have something to read during the midweek. Amen. In Romans 11, chapter 6, Romans 11, verses 16 through 20. Romans 11. 16 through 20 
says, For if the first fruit be holy, the love is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. Oh, my God. Did y'all just get that? Okay, let me say. Um, if the first fruit be holy, the lump is holy also. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. Christ is holy. Are we not the branches? Are we on that vine that John 15 talks about? Are we about that? Are we connected to him? So if he's a holy God, guess what? We're engrafted in. And we're going to be a part of it. Our nature has changed. What does the Bible say about uh, a, a new creation? What? We are new creation. What? Old things are what? Pastor, what? So what does that mean? The old nature is gone. That means the old things that you used to do, you should not have a craving for it. You shouldn't have it at all. If you are a born-again Christian and your life is hidden in God and you live in God, living for the Lord, then guess what? Something should be different about you. Amen? Amen. We are not the same that we used to be. Now think about this. You know what it says about the old things pass away and behold everything is new. What comes to mind is this. Do you know the scripture that says when a spirit leaves a person? Okay. When that spirit goes out, that unclean spirit goes out, and everything is 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 empty and new. Okay. What does the Bible say? It says when an old spirit is gone, and um, it's looking for somebody else to house. Okay. But it says I'm gonna go back home and see what's going on. It goes back and it sees that. Hey, there's a vacancy on this house, room and board free. That old spirit goes back, but just before it does, it goes and gets its old game. It gets his old thing, and then some even that were not his old friend, it goes back and bring it forth, and even those were wickeder than him. Okay, because you run with a gang or a crowd of people, all right? And you're the people that you're running with, we're Christians, so they're all good-natured part. But the enemy goes with wicked people, and then it goes back to some other one that, you know, um, worse than ever, they go back to the house that was vacant. And what does the Bible say? The latter state is what? The latter state is worse than it was in the beginning. Okay. What was the problem there? He did not fill his house. And we want to know, wow, these same old bad boys coming after us again. Once you get that old nature out of you, you need to put on those things that are going to give God praise. And we're talking about patience. All right. I know we already said, what about this? Teach us to be patient and, and who to boast on. But the thing about it is, God, if you're telling me this, and in order for me to be able to be patient, and I've gotten rid of those things that have angered me, and what, why don't you get them out? Put something inside of that place so that there's no room for the evil to come back. So what you going to put inside of you? Oh, thank you. I just love y'all are just smart up in here. I think Galatians 5, when you talk about the fruit of the Spirit, I just love, 
I, I just love preachers that they've read and they're, they're on the same page with me. You're going to put in the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy. All right, so if you're angry, you're going to put on patience. Yes, yes. So once you got all of those out, you say, Lord, teach me how to be patient. And then God said, I want you to make your boast in me. I want you to love. He says, I don't want you envy in anybody because that envy is going to bring back those old things. So we're going to replace that with love and with joy, the fruit of the Spirit, righteousness, self-control. All right. So that you are a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away. Let me have this chop away from your homies and your crew. You're just, and if they are causing you to, to do things that is contrary to what you know better, what your mom and your dad are taught you when you were a little child, leave them alone. You know, people sometimes get out of uh, prison. And, and they go back into the same thing that they were doing before they, you know, when they went in. Mm-hmm. You saying you want to make a difference? You've already paid your time for what you've done, in, and your slate is 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 clean. And now there's a a place in there, but it has to be filled. And some of them don't have people around them to help them, or some of them are in a mindset you can't tell me nothing to do. I'm grown, yeah. yeah. But you want to, you don't want to go back into there. You know, it was rent free, but the the amenities were like it is on a free world here. Yeah. So you want to go out and start doing something else and put it in there. So the thing of it is, is that you have to put, but the fruit of the spirit, love, joy. You need to be taught. You need to go to church. You need to know how to press in. You need to be able to let go of that mindset and freely do it. Freely doing the things that God has called you to do. Amen. 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 And and. and in verse number 17 of where we were in Romans 11, it says, And if some of the branches were broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partaken of the root and the sightness of the olive tree, both not against the branches, both not against the branches. But if thou both, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Listen, so what, what we're saying is this. You know, don't get to talking about the tree and you're supposed to be of the tree. We're talking about the saints of God. We're all in there. Remember, you used to be here. That, you know, just because you was a wild thing. You know, God, I know you were wild and a trouble. And just said, don't talk against the branches. Remember, you were there. Get reconnected with God. Amen? Amen. And one of the other things of what we're talking about is that it is not proud. All right, looking at So what is proud? Having or showing a proper pride in someone, one's position, or one's family. Having or showing an overweening opinion of oneself. Oh, man. You're speaking too highly of yourself. Okay, that's what it means. Position means arrogance. Feeling or showing great pride or joy as from being honored. That is an occasion or a cause for pride. Highly gratifying. So what did you say is this? Boast in God, but don't get caught and do what you're saying. How many of us in our family? I like to be real, keeping it real. I can talk about my family too. We all have some dysfunctional things in our family. We all do. Ain't nobody in them. We all don't sit there and say, "Yeah, you know, Red was a harm." All right now, all right now. Okay. However, all of us have something in our family where 
you know, we get saved and we think that we're better than them, even though our lights is different and it's supposed to shine and it is shining. But we can't get caught up in our in this religion that we're better than them. We're saved by grace. Amen. All right? We're saved by that. I can give my personal testimony to my family. I can talk about my two sisters. You know, they used to say this and that, Helen and God, that you went all crazy. And then I went all crazy. It's just that my appetites have changed. Okay? My appetites were for the things of God, and I never opened my mouth. They just looked at me and looked at my kids, and they thought we were coming to condemn them. And all I wanted, I was, I was feeling the love. I wanted somebody to hug. I wanted just to sit and talk. And then my kids, we went, and they said, oh, here they come, the saints, the Christians. You know, and we hadn't said a word. But I, I was wanting, you know, to kind of give me a hug. And I wanted to hug. They, were, they needed the hug, too, but the light was shining on that darkness. Being through all of that, when it came down to the nitty-gritty, they would call and say, Sis, would you come pray for my friends or pray for me and things like that. You know, but we can get caught up and, and be proud and boastfully and uh, about other things. You know, we got people that work with you side by side. They get a promotion, and now they, they look down on you and say, Hey, you know, it ain't that deep, but... And then you've seen other people that positions will cause them to what? To get proud. All right? And and, and it shouldn't be that way. And we as people of God, we shouldn't be that way. But let me give you a couple of scriptures on proud, uh, proud, and then we're going to get ready to close. One of the scriptures is found in Job chapter 40, verse 12. Job 40 and 12. It says, look on everyone that is proud and bring him low and tread down the wicked in their place. You know, a proud look will bring you, you know, it, it's going to bring you down and you're going to fall because of that. Psalms 12, verse 3 and 4, it says, The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things, who have said with our tongues we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? The proud are saying, did you get that? Psalms 12, verse 3 and 4. Verse 4 says, who have said, with our tongues will we prevail. Our lips are our own. We can do whatever we want to. Who is Lord over us? And you find that even us as, as young adults, being older adults, nine and a half out of ten people, but we don't say a half a person, nine out of ten people, they say, when I get grown, I'm going to do this and that. This is what they're saying. Who is the whole? Who are they over us? We've all said it. I said it. I said it. I sure did. Good golly gumdrop. Thank God that I had a praying mom and daddy in my corner. You know, my thing of it is I was ready to go to, I had gifts and talents and a fellowship, scholarships and everything. I wanted to go off to California in my book that I wrote about myself. I, I t- talked about, I want to go to California. I want to go there. I had a gift in and the abilities and music it took all these classical singing there and all of this and all of that. I want to go out and soar to my own thing. I want to play in a band. I want my silks and dollars and all of that. My birds, I want to with me fast. Oh my goodness, I did. But I had a praying mama and daddy. And they were saying, Lord, you lose my daughter. Keep her here. 
grace is heaven, but he giveth more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud and gives grace unto the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Teach me to be patient. It's to resist the enemy that tells you to get anger. Resist the enemy that tells you you ought to do this and do that without seeking help from God. And then the last one is in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. 1 Peter 5, verse 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the older. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. But God resists the proud and give grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And he shall exalt you in due time. Teach me to be patient in the process. It is to deny yourself and let God be God and give you the direction. And he will direct your steps. When you are coming to the Lord and you're asking him, God, I want to be patient and quit being so in a hurry to do things my way. When you do it your way, you think, Three, four, five, let's But if you listen to God and just be a little patient and listen to him, you won't have to make those steps over and over again. Teach me to be patient, God. Help me, oh God, to listen, stay in your presence, spend more time with you. With all heads bowed and eyes closed. If there's anyone here in this congregation, or if you're listening to the radio broadcast, and if you're driving, don't push on YouTube. You have just been listening to Pastor Helen Young of Grace Worship Center in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, a life-changing fellowship. Join us at 6051 North Brookline, Building 135, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, 73112. Or visit us online at Grace Worship Center, OKC. Dot O-R-G. Call us at 405-840-4001. We would love to hear from you. And we hope that you was blessed with today's message. Teach me to be patient. Hope that you was blessed and enlightened with today's word. And remember, God does have the best for you. Till we meet again, see each other again. Remember, be strong, be encouraged. God loves you. And so do we. Be blessed.